surprise to you, we're going to be teaching on the parable of the wise and foolish man. Before we do that, though, let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this afternoon. Thank you for the time we've had to worship you and memorize scripture and even see uh, fun and encouraging skits. I pray that we would just um, put our minds upon you and that you would let your word speak to us and that we would build our lives upon it and you'd give us a secure foundation so that ultimately we can glorify you. Ask this in your name. Amen. All right, we've already heard it read, but I'm going to read it one more time, the story, starting in verse 24 of chapter 7 of Matthew. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. All right, so this, in verse 24, we read, therefore. Now, what, what does therefore mean? You know, my dad always taught me that if you see a therefore in scripture, you have to ask what the therefore is there for. Therefore basically means the thing that is about to be said is relevant or important because of something that has just been said. So example, if your mom said the house is a mess and people are coming over, therefore you need to clean it. We understand it's important to clean it because the house is a mess. And most importantly, people are coming over. And so Jesus said, therefore, for a specific reason. So we have to back up in the chapter and look and said, wait, wait, what is this? Why is he telling this parable? And we can understand starting verse 21, he says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have not we prophesied in your name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. So Jesus is saying that, Many are going to come to him on the last day and they're going to say, we've done all this, but he says, you've not kept my commandments. You've not done the will of my father and the will of God is to keep his commandments, to keep his word. And uh, we can read in first John chapter three, verse 23. And he says, and this is his commandment that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. So we believe and that we love one another just as he has commanded. So his will is for us to believe in him. And then once we believe, we love others, which it was Paul. And I think Romans six, maybe it says that if you love, maybe it wasn't six, can't remember, but he says, love is fulfilling the whole law. And so, you know, the, we don't, we aren't saved because we're doing good things. We do good things because we are saved. True belief in the life of a Christian will result in love for others out of gratitude for God's love for us. So therefore, Jesus says, because only those who hear God's, well, only those who do God's will enter the kingdom, which is to believe, and by our belief, we love others. Jesus gives a parable about those who don't. So the first person is the wise man. This is the man who keeps his commandments, the one who hears Jesus's words, which in our day is the Bible. And he doesn't hear them, he he does them. This man is wise because he sees he needs to build a house, but he understands if he's going to build a house, he has to have a firm foundation. I'm going to show you some pictures of foundations. Wise man who keeps God's word. And you have glasses up there because all wise men wear glasses and have big beards too. Not really, but. All right, so there's, there's some pictures of foundations right there. Foundation being built of concrete, which is basically um, man-made rock. 
at least in my opinion. And then that's actually a foundation. That's the foundation of our barn when we were having our barn built. And you can tell the pictures taken in the beautiful winter time when everything is dead and there's no green on the trees, which actually I do think winter time is really beautiful in Texas. If you judge me for that, you're okay. Um, but if you have a bad foundation, what's going to happen? It's going to crack. It's going to crumble. You can see how this foundation cracked and it caused the rest of this building to crack. So it's important that we have a solid, good foundation. What does his house represent that he builds upon the foundation? His house represents his faith. It can represent areas of life as we have our faith, but ultimately it's going to represent the judgment when Christ comes and where we end up in eternity. And then the rock, what does that represent? That represents the word of God. You know, God wants us to live our, live our lives upon the word of God. And um, what, what was Dr. Roberta talking about? She says, you can hear it read, but if you don't do it, that's, that's not good. That's not building your foundation upon it. In James, he says, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if anyone be a hearer of the word, not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass, not a drinking glass, that's just an old term for mirror, like a man beholding his natural face in a glass, for he beholdeth himself and goeth away and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. So James is saying, if you just hear the words with your ears, but you don't do them, it's like, let's say you have some dirt on your face and you go, let's pretend this is a pretty mirror. Um, and you go and you look and you see all the dirt on your face in the mirror. And you realize I need to clean this dirt off my face. And then you just turn around and walk away without cleaning the dirt. We even have some dirt here. I'm not going to touch it. So I don't get it on my face because that is not actually a mirror. Um, but that's what it's like to hear the word, and not do it. To do the word is like someone who goes and he looks in the mirror and he sees the dirt on his face and he cleans it off. So if we go to the word and it tells us we're not to do this or we are to do this. So we understand where we might be falling short, but we don't do anything about it. That's not building a solid foundation for our lives. It can be simply said that if you believe it, if you hear the word of God and you believe it, you will do it. Now, what do the rains, the winds, and the flood represent? I think a lot of people like to say this might represent the trials or persecutions Christians face in life. And all the application that if we're ground on Christ, we'll be able to face all those. It's true. That's not actually the, that's not the correct interpretation of this passage. Christ is talking about the judgment that comes at the end of your life. And so the rains, the wind, the floods, all that represents what's going to happen whether we die or Christ comes down and we face him, what, what, what's that going to look like? What is our life built upon? And how is he going to judge us according to what our foundation is? You know, we already saw this picture, but I like it because I think it is an accurate representation. I looked for a lot of pictures online of this parable, and I didn't think all of them were accurate, not because there are plenty that showed a wise man with his house built upon a rock. It's actually it's because this guy right here, too many pictures just had a house that was kind of tottering, but that's not what the scripture says. The scripture said that the rains came and the floods descended and the winds blew and beat upon the house and great was the fall of it. It was totally destroyed. And so if your faith is not grounded upon the word of God, when judgment day comes, it's not going to be like you will not be as better off or you won't, maybe you won't get as many blessings, if your faith is not grounded upon the Bible, 
it's going to be gone and you will spend all of eternity in hell, which is very sobering. And it's just why it is important. You know, the foundation is the first thing you lay down. And the first concern of everybody's life is what is our eternity fixed upon? And so if your foundation is upon sand, which will represent your own good works, represent how much money you have, represent how many times you've gone to church, but not in what you believe and who you obey. That's like it's grounded upon sand. You know, I think most of you have been to the beach and we've built sand castles. And what happens when the wave comes and hits the sand castle? The sand castle falls apart. That's what it's like to build on a foundation of sand. Because when Christ comes and his judgments come, sand, things of this earth will not be able to stand against his justice. So your faith needs to be grounded upon the word of God. And we might finish a little early here, but I want to stress the importance of if you are truly saved, how important it is to continue in the word of God, because it's not like we can say, I believe the Bible confess your sins. You know, there's the obedience part of it. Obedience proves that you truly believe. Here's a patch of the pirate song. I think might've been from his first record. Even it says obedience is the very best way to show that you believe y'all are all familiar with that. You know, in order to obey, you need the Bible. The Bible should be extremely important in the lives of the believers. And you know, I, can't stress the importance of having the, your Bible enough. We're so blessed in America. I was looking the other day, I was doing study. And around I had like four Bibles I'm studying with. I had this one. I had a study Bible. had another translation. I think I had another one as well. And I also have Bibles on my phones. And I got Bible commentaries. And I'm like, I have so much of the Bible here. And it's such a blessing to have this much of God's word. And because we have that opportunity, we shouldn't abuse it. We should take advantage of it. But so many people throughout history have died just to read the Bible and to be strengthened. We need this. And yeah, I can, I'm going to be honest. The Bible is not the most appealing thing as far as what we want. Sometimes it seems that's like, I want, you need to read the Bible, but it's kind of like something, it's like a chore. You know, I get it done. I get up in the morning, I read my Bible. It's like, okay, I've done that. I can go live the rest of my day. That shouldn't be the response of the Christian because as we eat food, to nourish our body. I mean, well, I guess Oreos aren't going to nourish your body, but good food will nourish your body. The Bible will nourish your soul. And you know, when we go to eat something, we don't treat it like a chore. Oftentimes we want the best food we can get. You know, we spend hours just so we can eat something that tastes really good. The Bible should be the same way in our lives. We should spend hours studying this, take a lot of time to study this so we can get the best out of it. So we can be the strongest in our faith. Just like we spend hours in the kitchen or your mom spends hours in the kitchen. I don't, Isaiah, do you spend hours in the kitchen? Do you spend hours cooking in the kitchen? I'll put it that way. You might spend hours eating in the kitchen. All right. So we want the best food. That can take a while. You know, I think I've heard it said that, you know, if, if you go to the Bible, you're going to get some kind of great insight out of every time you read it. You always get truth out of the Bible. I don't think you're always going to get something spectacular every time you read it. Sometimes it might take a long time, maybe days, maybe weeks in order to really all of a sudden have it hit you. And you're like, wow, that's spectacular. And to tell a story to illustrate this, I heard another preacher give this story. He said, there was a grandfather who lived up on a mountain and he had his grandson come and there's a stream at the bottom of the mountain. And he gave his grandson this old rusty pail and it was dirty and rusty and full of holes in the bottom. He tells his grandson, he says, 
go down to the stream, scoop up some water and bring it back to me. So the grandson goes down, he scoops up the water, he walks back up the mountain, water's all drained out. He's like, water drained out. And the grandfather says, go back to the stream, get more water. He does, water drained out again. So the grandfather keeps telling him, go back. Finally, he comes back and water's drained out again. And he's like, what's the point of this? I'm not getting in the, any water. And the grandfather goes, look inside the bucket and the bucket's clean. Because the water kept washing through it. The same way it may take time and time again of us going back to the word before we see it's actually making a change in our lives. But God's word does not return void. He's given it us to renew our minds. And it may take, may take a long time to renew your minds. In fact, spoiler, it's going to take the rest of your life to renew your mind. But it's worth it. And it will happen bit by bit, day by day. And it's your job to continue in it. This is what strengthens you. And Christian, this is your life right here. Don't lose this thing. Use it. Spend time in it because it is so important. And you know, the ones who believe the importance and the reality of God's word are going to show that they believe it by how much time they spend in it. And not only how much time they spend in it, then reading and listening, how much time they actually take it and apply it to their lives. This is Christ. There are going to be many who come on the last day and said, oh, I did this and I went to church. You know, I think there'll be lots of pastors who will both say, oh, I went and I did this, made this big church and I had thousands of people listening to me and I sat down and I played video games in front of them. I literally saw there was a pastor doing that. And I'm like, seriously, this is, there was a, I read Charles Spurgeon quote. I'm going to go on a small tangent here. But Spurgeon said something like, there will come a day when it's no longer shepherds feeding their sheep, but I can't remember, men entertaining goats. But basically that's what well, we see a lot of that in today's churches. And they'll be able to say, look, I did all these things for Christ. But is what you're doing for Christ what he's commanded you to do? Go to your word and understand how Christ wants you to obey him and build your life upon that. And if you do, he's not going to say, I never knew you. He's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Because he sent Christ to live in your life. And when Christ lived in your life, you renewed your mind through the word he gave you. And it changed your life so that you would walk in obedience to him. All right. So I encourage every one of you, go home and read your Bible. Not, not that these things are bad. We spend so much time, though. Sports, movies, games, fishing, whatever. We're Americans. You know, I think if we took the American church and we had a scale and we took how much time Americans spent pleasing themselves to how much time they spent in God's word, I think the scale would break with how much time we just spend for our own pleasure. Which, I mean, we're blessed. I'm happy we have all these fun things to enjoy in America, but we abuse that so much and we forget to spend time in God's word. And spending time in God's word, not only will it build you, it'll actually encourage others. And I think spending time in God's word, other people will see you do that. It'll encourage them to do the same. It's like a ripple effect. You know, I had a, at work, I decided every lunch break I was going to go and I was going to read my Bible, because you have 30 minute lunch break, you eat lunch pretty fast. And then I'm just there scrolling Twitter or whatever. And I, you know, I want to renew my mind while I'm at work and taking this break. So I decided I'm going to read a Psalm every time I go to work. So I started doing that. And you know, it's just my own personal thing. We had a new girl transition from a different store. She noticed that and she's been working for the store for years. She told me, she said, I've been doing the same thing for years. And you're like the only person I've ever seen doing that. Well, after that, another coworker heard that. So every lunch break now, he's going. He grabs a Bible off our shelves because we sell Bibles there. And he'll go and he'll read the Bible during his lunch break. 
And so I encourage you, go read your Bible, not just to encourage yourself, but so you can encourage others and get them to obey God's word as well and build their foundation upon this. Because there's nothing more important than you can do than seeking to build your life upon Christ. Because, you know, one day judgment is going to come and you don't want your life to look like that. Picture this is, this is the wrath of God when he finally comes to bring justice to all the sin that has happened in this world. But that rock is the word of God. And Christ will preserve you. And then as Pastor Hovey talked about this morning, will be able to bless you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And, you know, we still have 15 minutes. I might share a different story. Concluding, concluding the message about the rock, I wanted to add a note to Pastor Hovey's um, sermon because it was so good. And because we're about to finish early. Well, you, you, you mentioned a quote someone said. He said, um, you're a son of God, act like it. I find it extremely ironic that you would mention that because this week, you know, especially after it was after Gabriel preached, which was phenomenal, you know, I can kind of struggle with being happy. I mean, I think we can all be struggling being happy, but oftentimes I'll go to work and I don't know maybe I'll have a rougher day or whatever. And I'm always grumpy, kind of, nobody likes me. I'm kind of worthless. You know, whatever, you know, we all have our struggles. And after Gabriel preached, I thought, well, I already knew this, but after he preached, I really emphasized, you know, I need to be more joyful. And I realized, you know, I'm a child of God. And as a child of God, I'm blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, which is beyond all I can ask or think. I don't know what my blessings will look like. I see earthly blessings, but I know he's blessed me with spiritual blessings that I can't even comprehend. And so as ironic as it seems, this note, I mean, this week, I wrote a note to myself on a sticky note. I wrote, you're a child of God, act like it, stuck it in my locker. Today, when you preach, you say it was almost word for word. But anyway, that concludes the lesson today. I hope y'all are encouraged. And I deeply hope and I pray that y'all will spend time in God's word. And let's pray. And then we'll sing one more song. Lord, thank you for your word. And I can't thank you enough for giving us your word and preserving it through over the years. And I think of all the men who have suffered and even been killed, Lord, in order to give us your word, but you have a way of preserving it because you love us and you want us to have something that we can build our foundation upon or build our lives upon. And the foundation is your word. I pray that we would spend time in it, God. And I pray that you would let it work in our hearts and renew our minds. And it would just give us a deeper love for you and a love for others. And I pray that we wouldn't just be hearers, but we'd be doers. And I just pray you'd continue to bless the rest of this afternoon, the rest of this day. And I ask this all for your glory and in your name. Amen. Right, we're going to sing one more song. We 